Welcome to Lab the Podcast. We share time with people whose lives and work are helping re-enchant a world flattened by the fiction that we are alone and in the center. I'm grateful you're here for the conversation and invite you to join us in pursuit of more life and beauty. Lab the Podcast starts right now. Hey, welcome to Lab the Podcast. I'm so glad you are joining us for the conversation. If you are new to Lab the Podcast, Lab stands for Life and Beauty. And that's what we discover when we uncover enchanted reality, a world that isn't flat, where we are not alone and in the center. It's a world where the material and the immaterial are actually reconciled, and not just in a philosophical abstraction, but in the reality of our moment-to-moment experience. And that's when wonder and meaning return, and it's where things as powerful as uh, and as invisible as love can take on flesh, and we can personally encounter love taking on flesh. And that can be not only experienced, but shared. And, and places and people who give us a glimpse of that reality are beautiful. And today, I get to go back in time a little bit in memory to a place that I visited in July of 2021. I visited Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch just outside of Sisters, Oregon. It's one of my favorite places in the world. There are pine trees and there's kind of a threshold right before the high desert starts to ascend into the mountains. And right at the base of that is Crystal Peaks Ranch. And the ranch is a ministry where the good and the broken and the future, they're all commingled. It's where horses are rescued and children are loved and mentored and families find hope. And I was there in July. And as soon as my family started walking up this beautiful long driveway, I began to experience the wonder of this place and the people who were bringing it to life. Well, my guest today is Crystal Peaks co-founder Kim Meter. Kim is the author of six books. She is a sought-after speaker and recipient of numerous awards for her work, including the Red Cross Heroes Award, the Regional Jefferson Award, the National Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Award, and the Woman of the Year Community Service Award. In addition to her responsibilities as co-founder and chief communications officer at Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch, she speaks, she writes, and she loves the wilderness. She loves the wild. She goes out into those Cascade Woods, and we'll get into that. She's married to her childhood sweetheart, Troy. They've been married since 1981 and enjoy living in the beautiful Bend, Oregon area. Kim, thank you so much for taking time to just be with us. Zach, thank you so much for just an opportunity to make much of the love and redemption of Jesus Christ. Well, it's th- that's what oozes out of you, and I can't. That's why I couldn't wait for the conversation. I couldn't wait to talk to you, and it's been delayed. We had to get around some obstacles to get to this, so I'm so glad that we got to do it. My imagination is alive with sights and sounds of Crystal Peaks as I experienced it. And it was in the dry heat of July, that Oregon summer. (laughs) And so I see your staff who are incredible and the horses that are beautiful. And there was a a couple families there that were enjoying uh, the property as we came up. One parent off in a grassy area, kind of allowing their kid to have some space. That's what I remember. But if we were having this conversation today, where would we be sitting on the property if you could pick? And then what would, mm. what would we be seeing at a November moment for Crystal Peaks? 
Well, I would invite you all to walk to the very highest point on our property. And the main ranch is located on a, a cinder butte. And so it's a side hill. And, it, and the ranch is, is inside an abandoned cinder mine that has been cut into the side hill. And at the very top, there's a cross. And it's my favorite place to go because sitting up under this wooden cross, you look straight across at the Cascade Mountain Range with nothing in between. And it is like looking at a row of white teeth sticking mm -hmm. up in the air. They're all covered in snow. We had light snow this morning. All the trees have, are now going to sleep, and we would all be sitting up there pretty bundled up, looking across at just indescribable glory of one 10,000-foot mountain after another, just lined up shoulder to shoulder. And this is what we would be looking at today as we have our conversation. Wow. I, I've never heard the Cascades described as like beautiful, shining white teeth. And it just made me think of God smiling. I will never look at the Cascades <laughs> the same again. But I think it is like a beautiful smile, like a 10,000 foot, 10,000 foot after 10,000 foot smile of God. That's a beautiful way to think about it. You, you got snow already. It, it Was this the oh. first? The mountains have been receiving snow for a while, and here uh, at their foot, we just received a, a little dusting last night and hopefully more on the way because here in the high desert, snow is life, mm. not to mention really fun and, and so beautiful. I think if, if we could see what forgiveness looks like, it would look like falling snow and all the, the hurt and the wreckage and the brokenness when we reach toward Jesus Christ, his forgiveness falls and everything that the enemy was using to harm and hurt and destroy and divide is just buried, mm. obliterated under a blanket of pure white glory. Mm. I, I love snow. I think it's why it's so magical when it does start to snow. You feel that. You feel everything you just described. I think we're just reading through uh, another Lewis book with one of our kids, and it, we, we were going through the wardrobe last night and the description of snow and the encounter of snow. And I think it does tell a particular story. I opened saying, you know, that there's that enchanted reality, the reality that God is there. He is there. We can know him and he is love. And experiencing him um, in in creation, yeah, we get to see those layers. And I think snow tells a particular part, like you said, forgiveness. And we'll get back to that. Mm -hmm. I as soon as we set foot on your property, I knew it was one of those special places. You guys have done a beautiful job, kind of stewarding the property, and we'll talk about how your vision came to reality. But but it's so well-maintained, so well-staffed, so well-done. And so those things were all obvious. But the unseen kind of heartbeat was also evident. And so I loved it immediately. And I, I sat up straight and was like, okay, this is a, there's another reason we're on this property. We were there just to show our kids and be there with my parents. But it wasn't until later I was reflecting. I didn't know anything about your story or who your staff was or the story that, that God had written into this place. And it wasn't until later I was reflecting on your story 
And I, my young daughter, Olivia, was nine years old when she was at Crystal Peaks. And she rode on a horse named Bethlehem. I don't know if you hmm. know Bethlehem, but oh, I, very well. I asked her why she picked Bethlehem. And she said, I liked the name. And it was a horse that wasn't too big and wasn't too small. And I was like, that's right. perfect. So I was thinking about Olivia's experience at nine and your story at nine. And when those intersected, I stepped back and just marveled at what God has done through Crystal Peak. So I want to ask you about your, your story as a child at nine. But before we go there, maybe just give people a little bit of context for the work you do at Crystal Peaks, maybe a 30,000 foot look at the ranch. And one of the things that I love is you say one child, one trainer, one horse. And so kind of the, yes, the big scale of the, the ministry at the heart, it's this encounter that Olivia had, one child, one trainer, one horse. What's, mm-hmm. Why is that so special? Why is that in the DNA of what you do? It, it began with this life and, and that um, through the healing redemption of what has happened in my heart, that Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch is this beautiful reflection of paying it forward. That if, if Jesus Christ can heal and redeem what this child's heart has gone through, he can heal and redeem any child's heart. And it doesn't matter what your age is. And so this ranch exists as a, um, as a, I want to say a monument or a reflection or this, this promised stone that God's word is true Hmm. and that God's word promises that anyone who reaches for him, he reaches back and he will heal and redeem any brokenness that is wholeheartedly lifted to him. And that's what the, the foundation of this ranch is. In 1995, we founded Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch, which rescues horses and pairs those horses with children for free. Mm. And we see about 5,000 visitors a year, and no one in the last nearly three decades has ever paid anything for the services that, that are offered through this ranch because what Jesus Christ did on the cross, the gospel is free. Mm. The gospel is free and the healing love, that makes me cry, the healing love of Jesus Christ is free to anyone who genuinely seeks it. And so this ranch is flooded with with thousands of visitors every year coming for every imaginable reason. The horses have their own stories of redemption. The kids have their stories of redemption. We mentor the children and the families that come here and in the process of writing down the miraculous redemption of what only Jesus Christ can do. Books have gone around the world and people have said, you're living my dream. Will you show me how? And in 2005, we started teaching uh, conferences to help people uh, do something similar to what's happening here. And now there are over 200 other ranches in the United States and in Canada and a dozen in foreign countries that are serving the Lord with horses for broken children, all for the love of Jesus Christ. And that's the foundation of what Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch is today. I I love to hear you talk about that scope of it, it expanding globally. 200 you know plus ranches where people are it, it's this generator this catalyst for this 
um, this special connection that takes place. And what I, I think I loved uh, being at your place, and maybe Bethlehem has a story there, but I, I was just caught by the fact that these horses, a lot of these horses are horses that people have given up on. They are mm-hmm. horses with a lot of brokenness. I think one of them had been mauled. I mean, it had scars on its back. And oh, yes. the, the, so these these horses that they themselves are have stories and brokenness intersect with the lives of kids whose families could not pay. I mean, your facility is beautiful. The attention that they're given, one horse, one child, one trainer, that's a, that is an extravagant experience that's just given. Mm. And it's given to kids regardless of their background or any faith perspective. It's just free. It's yes. available, like you said, it's there for us to choose. So we'll talk more about the, the work of the ranch. But thank you for painting that picture so people can have that in mind. And if you're listening, just imagine this beautiful place that Kim described, looking out over the Cascades, this, this cinder pit that was transformed into this beautiful property with horses, and there's a lower property where the horses can graze. And if we were sitting there, you'd be looking out at it, just going, this is beautiful, and there'd be snow dusting it. I want you to have that in your mind and imagine that. And then I want you to imagine my daughter is nine years old, and she went there and was timid and was, you know, nine years old. You're so vulnerable. And I watched from a distance as she kind of looked around and just was trying to decide, do I even want to say yes to this opportunity? Well, she did. And she came away saying that was so beautiful uh, for me to get to experience that. That story is all of that that you just heard. The, the, The generation point of that is surprising. There's some pain in it. And Kim, if you're willing, I would love for you to take us back to you at nine years old, the same age that my daughter is or was at the time she was at your property. And you describe running through an orchard and you describe it in a way that I will never forget the words that you that you share about running through this orchard and you fall down into the dirt. And you say you're, you're trying to outrun the unthinkable. Take us to yes, that. What, what, what made you, what were you running from? And just tell the story of what happened at nine. You know, Zach, everyone comes from somewhere and everyone has been through something. And the enemy in his lying nature wants each one of us to think, no one understands the pain that I'm in. No one can help me, and I'm alone, and I'm going to die in this place. And oftentimes, that is the very precipice upon which Jesus Christ is closer than our own skin. And that is the very place that we recognize our need for him. And that time happened in my life as a nine-year-old and just reflecting on your daughter and listening to you speak about your daughter with so much love and so much fatherly protection. Um, it, you can hear it's, it's emotional for me and I'm, I'm so deeply moved by you. And at, for me at nine years of age, you know, that's that vulnerable tender time when I wanted to be just like my mother and my dad was this superhero and a, a wild child of the wilderness. And, and he taught me how to downhill ski. He was a ski instructor when I was four. And I'm skiing down a 10,000 or a 14,000 foot volcano when I'm four years old. 
and and I used to ride on his shoulders as he slalom water skied, and mm. he'd probably be arrested for that now. <laughs> and in my mind, there was nothing my dad couldn't do. He was a superhero, and I knew that he he wore a cape and could fly. Mm. And I grew up in the combined castle of my parents' love, and it was during that time that my dad's best friend came to my little grade school and picked me up and put me in the backseat of his car. And he gathered my two older sisters. I'm the youngest of three daughters and he wouldn't speak. And I just had this choking feeling something horrible has happened and nobody will tell me, nobody will tell me. And just that choke around my throat of, I can't even breathe. I know something horrible has happened. And we drove in silence to this familiar road to my grandparents' home. And when we got there, I could I could see as we're driving down their long driveway, cars parked in disarray everywhere. And and for the first time in my young life, I got out of the car and I did not want to run into a place where I only ever felt love because I was afraid. And I was just taken by my shoulders and pushed in through the door and the house was full of all these grieving, wailing people. And I was pushed into the arms of a woman. I, I recognized her. I didn't know her name. And she was crying so hard. She sounded like she was choking. And she just kept going around and around in this nauseating, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how to tell you that your dad has just murdered your mother and taken his own life. And I'm so sorry. And, and I remember thinking, I, I looked at her face and thought, wait a minute, my dad loves my mom and he loves me and he would never do that. You're a liar. And I, I pushed off of her chest and I broke out of her arms and just bolted out the back door, just running at this nine-year-old baby girl running for her life mm. to outrun this terrible truth and just ran and ran and ran. And it was a short distance. It felt like I'd been running for years until finally just falling down in, in the dirt. And I had been running through an orchard that had just been plowed and the dirt was overturned and soft. And, and I was screaming and crying and inhaling dirt and choking and retching and I could hear what I thought were animal sounds I didn't even recognize the sound of my own voice and I could hear coming out of my mouth Jesus Jesus help me Jesus help me I need you now and Zach I didn't even know who Jesus was I wasn't raised in the church I think I'd gone to church twice in my life from that time. And all I knew about Jesus is I think he's the guy on the cross. I didn't know this was not a religion. It wasn't a formula. It wasn't trying to please another human being. I cried out for the name of Jesus. And what I experienced was that the Lord of all creation and the creator of love and hope crossed the expanse of the universe and knelt in the dirt beside a breaking child. And Jesus Christ took the hand that was reaching out to him and he has never let go. Not then, not now, not ever. I didn't know verses like 
like Romans 10, 13, that declare everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter who you are or how you were raised or what religion you were taught or what culture you're from. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. All I knew in that moment was that there was a pop in my heart and an ignition, this tiny flame of hope and a a knowing you're going to get through this and everything's going to be all right. I didn't know that the Lord of all creation had just come into this heart and was putting it back together. That was my first conscious thought of asking Jesus to come and help me. And Zach, he's never stopped. He's never stopped. Hmm. That day, my grandparents had just lost their daughter And God bless all the grandparents who are listening today that you've raised your kids and your kids' kids and the neighbor's kids in this this attempt to hold family together. Hmm. I want to thank you and tell you that your love matters so much more than you know. And don't you ever quit. Hmm. Don't you ever give up and quit giving the love and hope of Jesus Christ to the orphan and the abandoned. Hmm. Because I'm here to tell you, your love matters more than you know. And I am a recipient of that love. And Jesus Christ love through those who are willing to stand in the darkness and in the fiery flames to release the love of Jesus Christ. Lives are being transformed, whether you see it or not. Don't you ever stop. My little grandpa, uh, grandma had the foresight to Um, No, this is a wild child that that is not going to be conformed to being in a home. And she had the wisdom to buy a little horse for me. And between the friendship of a little horse and the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, this wild child was redeemed. Hmm. And I would tell you, for clarity's sake, I was not saved by a horse. I was saved by Jesus Christ on the back of a horse. And, and that was the vehicle that he chose to use for me to, to feel safe and protected and to start receiving the power and the truth of his word happened when I was in the presence of a horse. And the result of that season of, of knowing the healing, redeeming love of Jesus Christ, I couldn't know then that that season of grief and walking through that valley of the shadow of darkness, that Jesus Christ, when we're in pain, we think that we're just going to die. And no one can tell us otherwise. It makes us mad. Mm -hmm. You don't know me. You don't know what I'm experiencing. You don't know what I'm going through. How dare you? Mm -hmm. And yet, Zach, how we feel and the power of God's word are two different things. Mm. Our feelings change moment by moment. And God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can build a life on it. And his word says in in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, don't you know that I'm going to comfort you in your time of need so that when others go through something similar, you can give them the comfort and the hope that I've given you. Your pain has a purpose to heal. Mm. That's pain worth having. I didn't know any of that. 
but Jesus did. And I did not know that he will use every minute of what you and I have endured in our history for his glory. When we give Jesus our pain, he is the one who transforms what Satan meant to destroy you by into the very thing that gives you life and not only you but everyone you share it with that's the almighty power and the redeeming hope of the love of jesus christ and when we call on him and give him lordship of our life that power exists in all of us and now it's our joy to share it in whatever way he asks I'm kind of frozen in my mind. I'm I'm hearing all of these uh just like penetrating truths that we know at a head level and for those of us who have grown up in the church or around the church we're like yes, I I get that. I hear that. And so I part of me is in that place going yes and the other part of me is still imagining this 9-year-old girl who doesn't know anything of God. You, you said you'd been to church twice, and yet that instinct, that creature instinct to call out and how you even knew the name of Jesus. I, I just think uh, for everybody who's listening, this is I want to press us into this because we have been kind of shaped by a culture that says, you know, the religious thing belongs, you know, in this private sector of your your head or your heart. It doesn't really affect or have anything to do with reality. And yet, this the experience that Kim had at nine years old is that she ran, she couldn't run any farther. She collapsed into the dirt and God was there. She didn't have to have a construct or a religious understanding. The living God, like she said, the distance between God and that child there wasn't any. He was there and in the valley of the shadow of death, even here. And I just, if you're listening, just hang, just hang on to that. You know, if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. He wants you to seek and find him. He's not far off from us. God is there and he's there even here, even in your worst moment. And Kim, as you described running, I was thinking about Olivia and I was thinking, just how, as a dad, I'll close the distance if I hear him, you know, if I see her tip over and fall on her bike right now, I will stop the interview and hang up and <laughs> run out there to just meet her. Right. And right. you experienced God loving you in that way. And that's where healing began. I mean, I hear you saying that you heard him promise and his word doesn't come back void. You heard him say, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Was that, did, was that just kind of an impression that ha- happened in your head, in your heart? You said there was a way of knowing. I mean, can you go back to that place at nine years old and go, I mean, he didn't give you a scripture verse. How did you know? No. And you said that from that point on, he's never let go. What was it that you experienced? Was it an audible word? Was it just an impression? Was it just a depth of knowing? What did you experience at nine that has has shaped you in such a way you say it's never left? You know, these are profound questions, and and I love them because I've I've heard it. Well, well, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one 
gets to the father, but through me. And people have issue with that. And well, you know, that's really self-serving and that's arrogant and that's prideful. And who does he think he is? And, and what we fail to realize is that God in his love for every human being who's ever walked the earth sent Jesus, his son, to lay down his life so that we could know the love of the father and that yes jesus is the only way to know god's love but god in his love has made eight billion ways mm. to know the love of jesus christ and for this one individual in a moment of utter ruin and reckon just wreckage I, I'm thinking right now of, of Romans chapter one, where, where Paul describes how every human being who's ever walked the planet has the ability to know God because God made them with that place within them to, to know him and reach for him. Mm. And in me turning to Jesus Christ was not because I was taught that it was because God made every human being to know him. Mm. And I, I didn't, know God's word. I, I barely even knew Jesus' name. And yet in that time of, of mortal crushing, his name is what came out of my mouth. And what I am here to tell you is that, that there are five weapons of warfare in the realm of men that defeat spiritual darkness. Mm. And they are, they are the word of God worship of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the power of our testimony. Hmm. I didn't know any of that. All I knew is that when I called on the name of Jesus, hmm. everything changed. Yeah, Everything changed. And to answer your question, what I sensed in my heart of, of this, this feeling like uh, falling into darker, 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 black, 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 when you hit the bottom of this pit, you will die right before that moment of feeling like I was going to breathe my last breath and my heart would stop right in that moment. There was an ignition in that pop mm. of a little flame of fire mm. and a knowing in my heart. He was there. Mm. He was there. He was kneeling beside me. He had me. His arms were around me. Nobody told me. I didn't know it. I didn't know the verses in God's word and all through Psalms that say that. I didn't know any of that. Hmm. All I knew is that I was not alone and that this, this God, big G, named Jesus, was, was with me. Hmm. And he was holding me and I was going to live. Hmm. I didn't know that I was going to live for him. I only knew in that moment I was living because of him. Kim, I love the way you describe that for us. Just, and I think what's so important is sometimes we try to have all of the answers, all of the theology, all of the equations figured out in our left brain to try to spell it all out so that we can believe. And I, what I love about a nine-year-old broken-hearted story is that at that level, at that space where Olivia was at this summer at nine, there's you don't have all of that. You have a childlike need. I think Ian e. Bounds said that prayer is a child reaching out for their father. It's as simple as that. It's it's mm. the impulse cre- we're creatures created for 
and you had no parents left at the time, who would you turn to? And right. and yet creator and creature in that moment, he said, I'm, you're not alone. I'm with you. There's, we could go on and on about that, but it, 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 I just love, this is reality. The universal mm-hmm. God is love becomes particular in the person of Christ. Why would he, why, why is he the way? Well, that invisible became visible and then it becomes personal and it meets you even in the dirt of an orchard. Uh, it's in, and that's where healing began. I I, want to go to your book, hope rising because you continue the story. This is where you, I, I encountered this next chapter of the story where your grandmother, you say had had the instinct, had the knowledge, had the wisdom to say this, this, child's going to need a way to process a a space to process this and a way to grow through it and so she gets you a horse and i think the horse if you're talking about the same one the horse's name is firefly and Mm -hmm. there's a little section in hope rising that's one of your six books that you've written where you talk about firefly and you say tears can only wait so long and there was something about Firefly and that reality of tears can only wait so long that was so important to me. I thought, I, I want to ask you to describe that moment, maybe, and, and what was happening and what you meant when you said tears can only wait so long. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> I, I, that, in that season of crushing and walking through that valley of the shadow of, of death, and before I, I move forward, I need I need for people to hear that Jesus is not the light at the end of our tunnel. Hmm. God's word says he is the light in the tunnel with us, stride for stride. Hmm. He is is our hope and he is our, our very life and our breath. And in that season, I remember I, I just I, I was so lost and alone and uncertain and afraid. And, and every day I'd sit on the bus, just rocking, just open the door, open the door, let me out. I've got to go. And I would Mm. run all the way home and just throwing things, running through the front door and throwing down all my books and all my stuff and running out the back door and down the hill to where my little horse was. And, and not once in all those years, did she say, Oh wait, stop. Mm. Really? that's what you're going with to wear today, Hmm. that you're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You don't have the right friends. She only ever just loved. And in her her precious little horse way, the ears would come up Hmm. and there would be the, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you and waiting for you. And there was only ever acceptance and love. And, and I would put a halter on her and a rope around her neck and jump on her back and just ride galloping, jumping over creeks and logs and ducking under branches and weaving and weaving. And in this child's effort to outrun the grief that was trying to crush my heart. And once I felt like that, that pain was lost in the woods behind me, we would slow down to a walk. And that's when the tears would just fall because I knew in my life at that time, there was no better place to cry than on this precious little horse's neck. She always loved me where I was, whether I was right or wrong, or I, I got it right. Or if I, if I was 
in a place of understanding or not understanding, there was only ever love and acceptance. And in that way, God's creation through a horse mirrors his heart for us. Hmm. Just come as you are. And that was the place that God gave me to release my grief and my, my sorrow and start receiving and filling that place with his hope and his love and his peace and his joy. And it was on the back of that little horse that more tears were cried than, than, oh my goodness, the world has probably ever seen. Mm. But that's where the healing for this life took place because God creates that place for everyone. Mm. And it's different for everyone who genuinely turn to him. Mm. We will find him in that place. I wish there's times that I hear these stories, I hear your story and I go, I I wish like my impulse is to pause time and like go back and, and find you getting off the bus and like hug you at that moment. Just again, imagining just like a dad, like to, to what I can't imagine. I can't imagine what your heart felt like when you were running off that bus going, get me out of here. I don't want to cry in front of these people. Yeah. Get me out of here. I get my stuff. I bolt through the door. Get me to that horse. Firefly doesn't ever reject me. The ears perk up and it's safe and we can go. And now I'm running from the, I just wish that I could scoop all of you up at that moment. And, and I think everybody listening is with me in that. And I think some of us are also thinking, I feel a lot like that. Like there's days that I sit in the driveway and I don't go in the house. And yeah. there's, there's times that I walk down that stairwell or I push that button on the elevator and I go, I'm watching the floors and I'm going oh, door open, open, open. Cause I don't know how long I can hold back these tears. And I, if that's you, <laughs> thanks Kim again for just through your childhood story, letting us go. That's real. That's, that is a lived experience. That's part of healing. That's part of what it is to journey from brokenness to wholeness. And it's okay. So I just appreciated that because I've felt that like I can, Mm. I can't hold these back any longer and I'm going to run as fast as I can to get to that place. Yours was the woods where I could cry. And that's okay. God's okay with the tears. Like you said, even the the reality of Firefly was a safe place where it, it's okay. And God can, you can do that. And that's a part of healing. And I just, I want to ask, you know, for people who are, yeah, I think some of us are listening going, you know, you had an, an experience at nine and you have been able now to write about it and to process it. And you can look back on that story and I think that there's probably some of us who have our own nine-year-old or 14-year-old or 10-year-old story, and we're struggling that the healing isn't coming. We're not feeling the freedom part or the healing part. We just keep encountering that wall and that, that tears. Or for me, it was that desire to keep running. And I think you described that really well. And I just kept running and running, and that looked like a lot of things. What do you say to people now as you're able to look back on your experience? What can you, how can you help us understand healing, that journey from healing to wholeness that can help us in that middle space where it feels like it's never going to change? It feels like 
it's not, wholeness isn't going to come. And we we're trying to hang on to something, hope for something we can't see and be sure of certain of something that, that seems impossible. Wow. That is just a huge question. And I have several different uh, thoughts. I see the whole world in pictures and, and right now I, the Lord is just flooding through my mind as you're talking about shedding tears and, and Jesus is just reminding me, but, but beloved, don't you know that I shed tears too? Mm. And, and when my friend died, I, I, I cried, mm. I broke down and I cried and, and Jesus wept over Lazarus when he died. And here's what Jesus did. He went to where Lazarus was. He was dead. He was in the grave. Mm. And, and when we are in that, that place of pain and crushing, we feel dead and, and we're surrounded by blackness and, and I'm bound up. I can't even move. I, I don't even know where to turn for hope or for freedom or, or for joy. Is joy even real anymore? And then ringing through the blackness we hear, beloved, come forth. Hmm. And Zach, you and I hmm. must choose if we are going to stay in our blackness hmm. or put one foot in front of the other and start moving toward the voice of hope. Hmm. The truth is 2000 years ago, Jesus Christ left heaven's glory and came to this earth as a man because of love. And he lived a perfect life and laid that life down in our place. And when he did that, he rose again. When he did that, he broke the lock on the prison door of sin and suffering. Hmm. And that prison tomb death place can never be locked and closed again. Hmm. And all of us will spend time in that prison place of suffering and sin. And many who are listening today are there right now. And I want you to hear what is true. The door is open. The door to freedom is open. And all you need to do is reach for the hand of hope that has always been reaching for you and step out into the freedom that mm. Jesus Christ offers everyone, everyone who turns to him with a whole heart, he offers that freedom. And if you and I aren't free right now, it's for one reason only. We are not choosing it. Mm. And that's not on God. That's on us. Mm. That, that God's word says over and over that when we, I'm thinking of James 4, 8, when we choose to draw near to God, God rushes in and covers and surrounds us and draws near to us. John, I think it's it's 4.15, that when we remain in him, he, Jesus Christ, remains in us, that it is incumbent on us, reach for him, call on him, and then he comes. Mm. And he will do that for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're experiencing. There is nothing broken in the human heart that is beyond Jesus Christ's ability to heal and redeem but one thing, one thing, and that is the pain that you will not release and give him. Mm. And friends, that's just pain that destroys. Mm. And that is not on God. Mm. That is on us. If we will open our hands that are oftentimes gripping on 
to our circumstances and the pain that surrounds us. And we will reach for the hand of hope that's always been reaching for us and step out into the freedom that Jesus Christ offers. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Jesus Christ has set us free. And we can have and experience that freedom every minute of every day. Hmm. And for most, it's a journey. Some people are, are, are set free and delivered instantly. And, and the Gospels and Acts are filled with encounters of that. We see that here all the time on the ranch. Hmm. Most people experience that freedom one choice after another, after another, after another to trust Jesus Christ more than our pain. And every time we do, that trust grows stronger mm. and that pain grows weaker. And when we lift our eyes from all that hurts and fix our eyes on the one who heals, everything changes, mm. beginning in our own heart. And that's a choice only you can make for you. I'm hearing your words and my brain works in pictures too. And I'm sitting there thinking, what would it have been like to sit across the fire from Jesus if we're sitting around a fire and I'm listening to him say things like this and invite, you know, extend that hand of grace and say, you know, come with me and leave, you know, leave behind this other thing. And I, I just am imagining sitting there trying to make sense of that and go, I love what you say, like, trust him with this one step, just this one thing and, yes. wh- and what's in my hand. And I was thinking, I imagine for many of us, people who have hurt us, that what I have to set down in order to take that hand you know, there's a lot of things that could be in my hand. And so here I am looking across the fire and I see Jesus. I hear him saying these things and I go, I want to, but I'm going to have to set something down. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I think may be so hard for us is forgiveness for the person who's hurt us. Do you think it's possible? I think that one question is, is it possible for us to experience wholeness while holding on to unforgiveness? Is it is that is holding on to that unforgiveness going to hinder the wholeness that 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 Jesus is trying to allow invite us to experience? And if so, how were you able to? Did you have to go through a process of forgiveness in your story? And if so, what did you learn ab- about letting go of that? Like you said, pain. I can choose my pain, or I can choose wholeness. How did you make sense of that, having to forgive this father who you say, I loved him. He was, I was riding on his shoulders, you know, water skiing, and he would never do this. And yet you had to face the fact that this, this did happen. What part did forgiveness play? And and do you think that it, that that is a part of hindering the wholeness that, that maybe we're looking for? Absolutely. And to, to begin by answering your question that uh, someone much wiser than I once said that, that bitterness and unforgiveness rots the container that holds it. Mm. If you want to live in hell on earth, just Mm. don't forgive someone and you'll get there immediately. Jesus says that Mm. I can't forgive you until you forgive. And that's not an ask. It's a command. We are commanded 
to forgive each other. And in my mind, I, as, like I said earlier, I always see everything in pictures. And in my mind, it's like coming to that beautiful fire scene that you just described. And Jesus is sitting across the fire from us and his face is warm and, and it's filled with love and hope. And, and there's just those, those gentle open palms. I'm reaching for you. And the, the, the more that I am, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, everything that my spirit embodies, you can have it right now. And, and yet it's as if when we approach the Lord with unforgiveness in our heart, it is literally, if our view was from heaven, it's like dragging a dead body. And coming up to God and saying, yeah, I want all that. I want your love and your joy and your peace. And, and, and I, but it's hard for me to get to you because this is just really heavy. Mm-hmm. And we're dragging around unapologetically something that is destroying us. And oftentimes we blame God for that. And we blame those around us for that. You hurt me. You hurt me. This is all your fault. When Jesus is snapping his fingers saying, beloved, beloved. I can forgive that. Mm. You can give that to me. All this can be healed Mm. if you will open your hands and give me that pain. Let's do this together. That's what that looks like. Did you have, was there a moment where you consciously were, did that with your dad? Or went through a process where you said, Jesus, I, I need to give you this. Or did that just happen uh, kind of as a child? You just released that almost unconsciously. Probably both. I think that, you know, as a, as a nine-year-old looking up at, at their dad that, you know, I, I loved my dad. He was one of my best friends. And and what he did didn't line up with what I knew of him. And it, it wasn't until, and so the, that forgiveness was present. It wasn't until adulthood that I started recognizing uh, and, and looking straight across at my dad in age that I'm twice as old now as my dad ever lived. Wow. And recognizing how, how broken my dad was and how, his history and his past played into his decision-making process and, and that he was so focused on his past and his pain Hmm. that his focus was not on the healing redemption of Jesus Christ. And each one of the us comes to that why in the road, every time our heart gets dinged by another human being and we can choose to take offense or we can choose forgiveness every single time. And that's not a blame on another human being. We can't, we can't choose for another human being. I'm no one's Holy Spirit. It's not incumbent on me to change anybody's heart. It's only my job to keep my heart pure before Jesus Christ. And Lord, when I take offense, I took it. It didn't just happen to me. Those arrows that... I'm thinking right now, again, pictures of uh, Genesis 15, 1, where God says, do not fear. Mm. I am your shield, Mm. your very great reward. And Zach, here's what I know about a shield. Mm. 
even the shield of God is worthless if Kim does not do one thing. Hmm. And that's stay behind it. Mm -hmm. Stay behind it. And as long as I'm behind that shield of God, all the enemy's lies and all the accusations and all the did God really say and, and the guilt and the blame and the slander and the gossip are flying over like burning arrows. Hmm. And to take offense is literally reaching up in the air and grabbing one and ramming it into my own chest and saying, God, they got me. Oh, mm. that really hurts. When he's saying, oh, honey, that's not how this works. You took offense. And because you took it, you can always give it back to me. And wow. I will heal that wound. Let's do that. Wow. I think that's, in a surprising way, I mentioned this, you wrote a book uh, called Encountering Our Wild God, and originally I was like, wow, that sounds like fun. I want to have that conversation. <laughs> but the more I prayed about how the, the chance to talk to you and to hear your story, I did just forgiveness kept coming to mind. So if you're listening, mm -hmm. I just go back and play what, what Kim just said. Walk through that, pray through that. There may be something there. Uh, that's really important because I think um, it's possible. And I'll just leave it at that. I, I listen to you, Kim, and I go, that is a, that's a miracle. There is grace sufficient to be able to live in a way that looks at your dad at twice his age with compassion and say, yes. I lost my dad. And I can, grieve, I can actually grieve the fact that I lost my mom and I lost my dad. And my dad, I can see him for the good and I can see this deeply broken person and I can believe that there is a love that's possible it's powerful enough to redeem that broken story and that's a pretty that's a beautiful freedom to experience and so I know all of us who are listening we have some version of that story and if if there is a if that word of forgiveness kind of provoked something, I don't think it was unintentional. I think that there was a reason that the the conversation circled around that. So um, thank you for letting us stay on that. I don't want to get out of here without getting to talk to, about Crystal Peaks because it, we didn't even get to Troy's story and, <laughs> and to how you met Troy. So that's maybe another day. But you you get married, and so there's this backdrop of, again, this remarkable miracle where it, you'll have to go get the book Hope Rising, um, because in it you'll hear the story of a new growth springing up from what is a, a firestorm-burned landscape, and that there was a promise that there was going to be life after what was there. And I think not only is Kim's life a picture of that, but Crystal Peaks is. And so fast forward, this nine-year-old girl grows and continues to heal, and, and God does an entire work that intersects with her husband, Troy. And then the two of you are standing at a cinder pit that literally, if you know anything about a cinder pit, there it's barren ground. I mean, it's not fertile soil. It's, it's a rock pit. And you, yes. at some point, had the vision to say that, you know, we call things that are not as though they were. Like, that rock pit is not going to be a rock pit. It's going to be Crystal Peaks. What Do you remember the time that you and Troy stood there and said, that's what's going to, like, God's calling us to inhabit this place, and we can see it? Do you, was there a day that you kind of looked over that property and said, we're going to go in that direction? I can tell you that 
You're so correct. For those who don't know, uh, cinder is a volcanic rock that is mined in the Pacific Northwest and crushed and put on the roads <laughs> for winter traction. And so we're standing on the cusp of a ginormous, like three acre hole in the ground, a gaping hole of stone. And when you say no soil, no, this is, this is rock. <laughs> there's no trees, no grass. There's not even dirt. That at that season in our life, we were so poor, we didn't even own dirt. <laughs> and and the, the vision for the ranch uh, didn't come in that moment when we made the decision to buy the land. We bought the land. We felt moved to buy the land because of the unobstructed view of the Cascade Mountain Range, which literally divides our state in hmm. half with the, this incredible volcanic uh, range of, of beautiful standalone volcanoes. And I, I'm, I'm looking at them right now during this interview, and that was our motivation for buying this destroyed property. And it wasn't until two years later we had rescued two horses. One was beaten so badly that uh, a, a vet was needed to come and sew up her face. My first horse on this property had an eight-inch scar between her eyes the rest of her life. Mm. And the second horse who came from the same location was missing a third of her normal body weight. She was starved almost to death. And those were the first two horses to come to the ranch, which is a hole in the ground. <laughs> it needed to be rescued from us. And, and Zach, to answer your question, the moment that I knew was in the early days of the ranch. Everything was so hard, and 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 all these kids started coming, and and they they weren't coming for what they could get. They were coming for what they could give. Hmm. The horses weren't strong enough. They weren't trained. They weren't rideable. And in that season of helping these two broken horses come back into health, there was one girl who came more often than the others. And this girl was so broken by her home life that she never spoke. She was mute. She had just retreated so far back into herself that she never spoke. And when she first started coming to the ranch, it was so hard. And I, I felt like I needed to fill all the space with a whole bunch of words because this is super uncomfortable. And, hmm. and the Lord let me know quickly, Kim, she's not here for your words. She's here for two reasons. She needs to feel safe and she needs to feel loved. Mm. And sometimes that doesn't take any words at all. Mm. And this, this albino looking deeply saddened 16 year old girl would come and work like a man helping me build fencing on this ranch. And one day we were building fences by carrying logs on our shoulders up the hill to construct this fence in a sideways snowstorm. And I look back at her and she just had all this white hair frozen across her face. And I thought, oh my goodness, you're <laughs> torturing a child. And I said, honey, let's go up in the house and warm up and dry out. I'll make some tea. I have a long distance phone call to make. And her response to me was a silent shaking her head. No, I'm not coming with you. So we went back and forth. And I got her to agree to the fact, if you get cold, will you come into the house? And without words, she nodded one time. I, I will do that. And so I left this 16-year-old in the storm to go and make a call that I had to make that day. 
and it went way longer than I expected. And I had one of those mother's moments of, oh my goodness, oh, no. you just abandoned yeah. a child in the snow. And I went to the window and looked down through the falling snow. And I could see that this broken girl, starving for love, had gone into the corral, which was all we had was a corral, a hitching post, and a boulder the size of my one-ton truck with two halters on it. That was the ranch. That's all we had. Wow. And she had gotten a halter and gone into the corral and brought out the starving horse. And I'm looking down this hill about 100 yards, and this mute girl is sitting on the hitching post, and and she's sitting right in front of the horse. I'm looking at the horse's rump, and she's sitting right in front of the horse. And, and their heads were down, and they were really close together. And I, I couldn't see what they were doing. And, and I'm like wiping the, the fog off the window and Jesus, what am I even seeing? What's going on? I, I finished the phone call and just started watching. And there through the falling snow, finally this young woman sat up straight and the horse's head pulled back out of the way. And that's what I could see clearly that the girl who never spoke was just talking and talking to this horse. Wow. Years and years of words that no one had ever heard. Mm. This horse walked right into where no one was allowed. Mm. And that's when I heard Jesus say, do you see that? Mm. Do you see that she's finding my hope and my love just like you did? Wow. Now does it make sense why I allowed you to walk through that valley of the shadow of darkness? Because I'm calling you to help others find their way. Will you do that for me? And that was 27 years ago. Wow. What an incredible testimony to God's faithfulness and just the the strange and mysterious reality that his time is not our time, his ways are not our ways, and what we are going through at the time makes no sense at all. And yet, just Two seconds ago, when you told that story, you said it makes sense. I, I was feeling in my brain and body that ah, it makes sense. Like, it, it makes sense, that moment where you saw this young girl able to speak. And everything in your story, from firefly to brokenheartedness to, to everything, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't erase any of the pain. It doesn't minimize it, but it, it makes sense, and it now redeems it in a way that is is generative and life-giving in a way that that only God can take every part of our story and mosaic it together so that we can stand back and go oh my goodness look at that look at that yes and what a beautiful what a beautiful story my goodness if you I'm, oh go ahead oh i i oftentimes don't share the rest of the story that young woman that the lord spoke to me over that the crush of, of her life was so devastating that she had retreated to a place of, of silence that the love and the power of Jesus' love was so complete in her life that the girl who never spoke went on to serve in, in a foreign country in Peru working at an orphanage. And the girl who never spoke went on to become a teacher of English and and God just laughs yeah. and says, yeah, that's my love. Yeah. And that's the love that I will give to anyone yeah. who chooses to turn to me 
more than their own pain and suffering. I can heal that. And, and heal it and then go on to do more than we can imagine. And if you're listening, just take that. And I know that again, so many of us have these stories. And I think what I learned from Kim is, is pay attention, look back. And I had a friend who one time said, if you're trying to make sense of where you're supposed to go, look back and try to make sense of what God has been doing all along. And you'll probably be able to see more clearly what's coming. And who knows what what your story will lead to. But I know this, that God is not done. And the way that he redeems and, and again, mosaics these things together in a way that he can only do uh, it's it's not true only of Kim Meter. Kim Meter's story allows us to see the reality of what God is doing. Like you said, eight billion ways that He's revealing His love, and I just am grateful for for that. I, before we go, I want to ask you what we can do for the ranch, but I want to ask you this because it's we're moving into the the holiday season, and this time can be particularly challenging. We talked about forgiveness. We can have family layers. We can have grief. We can have all these things that kind of wash upon us and sometimes even surprise us. We weren't ready for them. And in Hope Rising, you say, when our hope falls to its knees and takes its last gasp before death, there is an answer. It is simple. It lies free for every soul to choose. When you are surrounded, instead of looking anxiously from side to side, look up. I just, would you, that, that look up means a lot to a lot of us, but what would you say to the person who says, what do you mean by that, Kim? Like when I feel like my hope has, has given its last gasp and you say, look up, how can I do that? For the person who just is looking maybe for the how, they say, I hear you that God is there and I need to look to him. But what do you mean when you say look up? What would what would you say just as a as a practical encouragement to the person who says, I'm about to go into a really painful season of the year that's supposed to be beautiful, but I'm carrying this other stuff and I want to look up, but I don't know how. What would you say? I am just streaming with thought right now. And what I would say as a foundation is that your past pain does not define your future. Jesus Christ is your future. Your painful circumstances do not define who you are unless you choose for them to. And when when we are down in the dirt, inhaling dirt and, and feeling like we're breathing that last breath and, and, and that darkness and pain and suffering is all around, that that illustration of of look up that that is actually looking up into the face of genuine hope genuine love genuine healing and freedom he's the author of all of those things and to look up into the face of the one who loves you the most Mm. and take the hand that has always been reaching for you call on the name of jesus my prayer was, Jesus, help me. I need you. And it, it, he came. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't know that you're supposed to pray a prayer. I didn't <laughs> even know what prayer was. I didn't mm. know God's word or the four spiritual laws. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. All I knew is that in my heart, I needed to call on him. 
and he came. It wasn't until a year later that a neighbor told me who Jesus Christ is and that Kimmy, that he is the author of love and healing and hope. And he came to heal your heart. And if you want your broken heart to be healed, ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. You get off that throne and you ask him to come in and sit in that place Mm -hmm. and then take his hand Mm -hmm. and he will lead you into healing and hope. Do you want to stay in your darkness and in your pain? Or do you want to walk with him into healing and hope? And you get to choose. Mm -hmm. And it really is that simple. It sounds ridiculous compared to the weight of our crushing and our pain. But beloveds, that is the power of the redeeming love of Jesus. He has already done everything Mm -hmm. that you and I will know his healing love and the redemption that can put together everything that's been broken within us. Only he can do that. Mm -hmm. And he will do that for anyone who calls on his name. I love the simplicity that you share that with of just, you didn't know anything to say, but Jesus help. And I, I'll just leave it at that, that what Kim's describing is reality. It's not a religious um, construct. It is reality, creature, creator, reality. And so wherever you're at, you don't have to have the words, you don't have to have the prayers and the things all mapped out. The giving yourself to the reality that, you know what? I'm going to look up. And for some of us, that might even be do the, there's no magic in the horse. There's no magic in the physical act of looking up, but I'll tell you what, you have a body. So some of us look up and you may need to do this when you get out of your car, you're done listening to this episode is just go take two seconds. And instead of walking straight into your house, just stand in your driveway and look up and say, Jesus help. And just trust the the personhood, trust the relational truth that God is there. And as Francis Schaeffer said, he's there, he's not silent. You can call out to him in this way that's simple and relational. You don't need a formula. Just say, Jesus, help, and he will meet you there. Kim, thank you for that. And your work... I I just think who you are, what you are doing in the world is filling it with life and beauty. And for that, we're deeply grateful. How can we pray for the ranch, for Crystal Peak, for the season ahead? What's, What's on the horizon as you all look ahead and people imagine like, okay, now I know this person, now I know this place, and I know this incredible work where kids are going to be on horses this spring, this summer. How can we kind of partner? Can we pray? What can we do to be the wind at the back? Thank you. Thank you so much. As you know, in ministry, we're all, we're all individual and unique parts of, of the same body and, and how listeners can help is that this ranch has never, ever charged anyone for anything. We've never had a fundraiser. We've never even asked. And that our job is is not to go look for funding. Our job is to be obedient to do what Jesus Christ is calling us to do and trust him for the future. And and so uh, how how listeners can help is exactly what you just said, that, oh, my goodness, the, the power of prayer in the body of Christ shakes the foundations of heaven. And 
we see the miraculous nature of God in and over and through this ranch every day. Hmm. Almost every miracle that is recorded in the Gospels and in Acts, we are seeing here Hmm. on the ranch today. That wasn't just for then, that's for now. It's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so the power of prayer, um, one of the things that, that we hold in the highest regard is that we will never waver from speaking the absolute truth of the, of the gospel of the good news as recorded in God's word, hmm. that we would never waver from that standard of truth and, and all the gathering and growing darkness Jesus calls us to become a light on the hill and that we carry within us the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus in us. We carry the light of heaven in us and that 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 light would be released into the darkness with such blinding glory. I'm thinking of John 1, 5. It says, uh, Jesus, that the light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish him. Hmm. And that we would hold fast to that truth, that that what surrounds us and the evil that's happening in our nation can never extinguish the hope of Jesus Christ and the redeeming power of his gospel in us. And that we would never waver in that truth. And, and that uh, we have a, a staff of about 30. We have 30 resident horses. We've rescued over 300. Um, there's a lot of people in places that we are invested in supporting and if if the lord talks to you about that and you want to help thank you so much that it is because of people who have hearts like yours that this ministry continues to operate absolutely free of charge in everything that we do and that's just a testimony to god at work not to the the financial genius of people <laughs> that only only god can do that and so i'm just moved I'm just so humbled and moved mm. by anyone who would want to shoulder with what God is doing here. And and if that's you as a listener today, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. Why don't why don't we do this? Go to just if you would do this, go to crystalpeaksyouthranch.org. So start there. Uh if 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 that's just your first step, just go to crystalpeaksyouthranch.org so that you can now see a little bit of the work and, you know, what they do, who they are. And there's a place on there that you can get more information about how to visit the ranch. There are opportunities to go. There may be somebody that you know that needs to go. And this conversation may have provoked, I'm a horse person, and there's something about that animal that is just, there's a different thing that horses have. And so somebody you may know, this may be the opportunity for them to experience healing and wholeness. So crystalpeaksyouthranch.org, go there. That's where you can find Kim and her work and the books. Uh, I'm sure the books are on Amazon, too. Hope is Rising, Encountering Our Wild God, uh, Bridge Called Hope. There's, there's a whole list of books. So go there, but start at crystalpeaksyouthranch.org, and I'll let you all take it from there. Kim, thank you so much just for who you are and for saying yes, for um, being willing to, to share your story and to do it so openly and honestly and let us ask whatever we wanted to ask. And I just am super grateful for you. Mm, Zach, thank you so much. And thank you for all you do to send out the hope of Jesus Christ. I'm so deeply grateful for you.
Yeah. Well, we will we'll see you in July. I think that's a plan. We'll come out there and spend some time again. Yay! Yeah. That warms my heart. Thank uh, you, brother. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the conversation. We're so grateful to share this time with you. And even more than that, we're grateful you're a part of this growing movement of life and beauty. Until our next conversation, make sure you like, subscribe, follow the podcast, follow us on Instagram, check out VUVIVO.com to learn more about our work. And we'll see you back here for Lab the Podcast next time.